0: I ran into a new problem with this whole podcast idea and as you may or may not be able to hear in my voice right now, I love talking so much that I lose my voice <laughs> very often and it squeaks like so. I think a little bit there. It's a little hot, so it like, I don't know, a cool smoker. I don't know, like Audrey Hepburn. There's no cool smokers, but whatever. Like a cute little like cigarette voice like Audrey Hepburn or Marilyn Monroe or something. But... <laughs> Losing my voice completely. Well, not gonna be the for podcasting. So we'll see how that goes. When well, I have guest episodes, it's just because I probably can't freaking talk on my own. I don't know. Regardless, welcome back to another episode. I am now leaving Minnesota with my friend um it was a fabulous fabulous time we had so much fun we actually went to a salt spa today and i'm so serious and that i think i might get like a salt cave in my future house like remember, I've always talked about having like a sauna like right now i use the gym hot works where like all your workouts are in little saunas it's like three person per class and you book your class ahead of time you're usually like the only one in there because no one really books to be in there with a stranger if you like yoga pilates whatever this is an ad for it. it's just like genuinely what i like to use i love that i talk with my hands when i'm doing a voice memo. I don't know if you can hear my bracelets jingling in the background. Like, no one sees my hands there. Whatever. But I love saunas, and the salt spa was so cool. We went to Salt Lake Cave in Minneapolis. It was a really, really cute area. As you basically go down this basement, all the walls were like those pink salt lamp blocks. It was so cool. It's just kind of like watch the colors change and then the floor was kind of like a zen garden like it was salty sand and there was really a rake i don't know if that's for like the customer use or for the employee to clean it i don't know i was raking the sand there's like beach lounge chairs you lay back in there was yoga mats i think you could do like guided meditation or yoga classes in there we played sounds that like cleared our chakras i don't know mine feel pretty clear and so the big thing with salt spots i've been super congested as you can also probably tell with my voice sound like i'm probably like inhaling like snot every time i talk Ew, that's a gross visual. Mining it, cut that, you, Whatever, uncut, uncut, whatever. Um, But there's like a beautiful pink salt lamp over the walls, lights. It makes me want a zen garden. Once I saw someone who had a zen garden coffee table where it's like sand and succulents and little baby rakes and under a piece of glass so you can still use it as a table. But like you can just take off the top and have like a mini, what's it called, an aquarium? There's, terranium? That's what's called, terranium. I would love that and I also want the salt spa in the sauna I have in the future so like what makes it a salt spa is like a little machine it's kind of like a bubble machine but like particles of salt and it really does clear your sinuses because I get congested so bad and I felt so much better So I have a sauna in my basement I don't think I'm gonna do the sand floor because that sounds like pain in the butt to clean and move I like the wood floors of a normal sauna but there will be a little salt diffuser and it's gonna be miraculous it was super fun so we had a great time. I honestly, like, want to go podcast in the Salt Cave. Just book, like, a three-hour session and just, like, sit there and talk. I would love nothing more. Truly. But, yeah, that was a great experience. We went out yesterday to somewhere called The Pickle. So if you're not from the University of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, you wouldn't know what that is. It's kind of like a day drinking event. It was December 2nd when this took place. So you wear, like, christmas of stuff. Like, I wear a green onesie, and then you go day drinking. It was fun. It was a good time, but honestly, the weekend was, like, shopping, going to the spa. I, like, we impulsively went into Lush. I haven't been into Lush since, like, middle school, and I was literally just at my parents' house for Thanksgiving, I found, like, my old Lush catalogs, and I was like, dang, they're actually, like, very good at, like, marketing and describing the scents and benefits of all their stuff, and then I haven't ended up there today, so I got, like, a little bubble bar. you like peel it off and run it underwater and it fizzes and it's super cute peel it off like you take a little chunk of the whole bath bomb i got three bath bombs i got the interstellar one it's like blue with like little tie-dye colors in it i'm excited to like put a neon light in my bathroom and like light candles and just watch the tub change i got a really sparkly one called the goddess i got one that was like a black rose and so when you put it in the water it turns like a deep purple i was like okay sounds good to me if anyone's tried the lump of coal one let me know if it's good because that one also looked really intriguing. But yeah I'm excited I'm in a bath bomb mood I guess and I love taking a bath after like a stressful day of work so I'm really excited I got we went to Trader Joe's cuz there's none of Trader Joe's near where I live so I got eucalyptus which was lovely I love hanging it from like the shower head I've been recently investing in like the stuff like vases so I put my old dried out eucalyptus in a vase and then put this new one on my shower okay so I'm distracted hot take I hate when people take the cap off their mufflers I just don't understand how that's pleasant, or like, I don't honestly. Being on a motorcycle scares me a little bit, but I think the biggest thing that turns me off is how loud it is. Like from the safety within my car, I can't even like handle the noise of a motorcycle. I can't imagine being the one riding it for like hours. It's so loud. But I also want a convertible or a Jeep Wrangler, so like, make it make sense. I don't know. Anyways, the point of this podcast today, I do have an idea. I do have a vision of what we are going to discuss. It came from, I went to Israel this past winter. For those who don't know, I actually was born there. But a fun fact is your long-term memory starts forming when you're two years old. Like, you re- can remember memories longer than, like, Dory from Finding Nemo. Like, memories past today. You start forming when you're two. We left Israel when I was two. So I really have, like, one early memory of Israel where I'm, like, in a stroller looking up at palm trees, and I just remember, like, I need something to trigger my old Israel memories. Like, when I was in Florida with my family, I was, like, 11 in Disneyland. I remember seeing the palm trees for the first time since being in Israel, and it reminded me of Israel. Or, like, when I watched Lilo and Stitch, there's a scene where, like, David and Nani, like, the older sister, are, like, swinging Lilo over the sand by a castle. That gave me, like, a very early memory. It's, like, my grandparents doing that to be in Israel. But anyways, lived there for two years don't remember it my parents both went to college there but they grew up in Russia so we went back this past winter me and my sister did like a sister trip there and we went with like a group from her college So it was a ton of people and they're like I don't know how to describe it. it kind of just feels like you instantly met your cousins and I feel like because of the programming we had to get like really deep with each other and talk about what it was like to have like our heritage in the U.S. and stuff so we got like weirdly, really close to people in a short amount of time. And it's almost getting, like summer camp where it's like, you know, you're never going to see them again, but you're forced to like spend a lot of time, get really deep with each other. So it's just like the weirdest dynamic. But we were in Old City, Jerusalem, which is beautiful. If you ever get the chance to go, like you're going to feel like spirits and history all around you. Stunning city, like even just sitting on the ground. I swear I could like feel spirituality through the ground. Like it was stunning, stunning, stunning city. reminds me a lot of like Spain or somewhere in Europe. I loved it. And while we were there, I was, like, so it just, like, worked out that the group that we went with was, like, three fourths guys a fourth girls. So I was kind of just, like, getting to know everyone. Like, I think at one point in Bertha, I, like, had alone time with every person there. It was super fun. So I was talking to this one guy, super smart kid. I think he was studying, like, ethics and political science and, like, philosophy. And I think that's so cool. And my best friend from home was a philosophy major. I think that stuff was so interesting. I wish I had, like, more time to study I think I've been getting into like podcasts about it like philosophy bites or um there's something called like philosophy for dummies or something like that there's other things called like drunken philosophy where they kind of say it in a very casual way that's easy to understand but he was super knowledgeable on all these cool things I personally love ethical debates like you know where it's like there's five people on a boat like who do you choose to take off first otherwise you'll sink or like you know the train problem where it's like you can stop the car from like killing 50 people but you kill one like Those kind of ethical debates, I will definitely do an episode of that at some point. I love that kind of stuff. But he was super interesting, so we are like, talking about these different things, and he's just, like, I don't know, he's, like, really in his head, so, like, not in his head, just, like, smart, like, he's, like, brainy. It's so like, okay, we can talk about, like, random brainy things I wouldn't usually talk about. So, I was talking about my favorite, like, juxtapositions, which is a word I've loved ever since I heard an A.P. Lang in high school. It pretty much means, like, opposites kind of coming together in a complementary poetic way. It's like taking two things that are really extreme opposites and putting them near each other to make some kind of, like, point, I guess. I don't know. A lot of the examples we go over have, like, to do with Shakespeare, so I don't remember them now, but... We were talking about, like, how I have a list of, like, favorite juxtapositions, which is so random, but they're in my notes app, and I just think that is what we're going to talk about today. We see the cover art of this episode has, like, two koi fish, because I don't know if you guys are Avatar The Last Airbender fans. I am. I think it's a phenomenal show. And it makes me think of, like, juxtapositions makes me think of, like, the yin and yang fish. Like, it's just kind of, like, pushing and pulling, kind of always circling each other, We're like, even negatives or opposites of each other also are complimentary in the whole circle then. It's just an interesting concept to me and that's what we're gonna dive into today. Sorry, I don't have an intro figured out or intro music. We'll see if that ever happens. I honestly don't know. You guys might just have to like sit here and hear me talk and enjoy, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, we're gonna go into some of my favorite juxtapositions. I don't know how long of an episode that will end up being, but honestly this is already long. <laughs> as is so we'll see what it gets into we'll go into like some of the stuff I've like been through and what it relates to in my life and I think it'll be really fun so yeah let's dive into it I didn't really like rank these in any way from my absolute favorite to my not favorite juxtaposition so I'm just gonna go in a random order and maybe by the time I talk through them all I can figure out which one's my favorite I definitely know which one I use the most on the daily so maybe we start there yeah let's start with that one this is the one I think about the absolute most, and like it even kind of ties into listening to true crime. But the juxtaposition is that it's in what Shakespeare plays it in. It might be Hamlet, or it might be Oedipus. I don't, I don't know. I know Shakespeare wrote it. It's not "To be or not to be." It's not that one. It's sometimes it's cruel to be kind. I think in the context where that was said, it was like a king saying it to his son. Honestly, I should have looked it up before. I really don't remember the context of it anymore. But I remember hearing that. It just really stood out to me because I've always, like, really cared about being kind. Like, I used to work for, like, a YMCA summer day camp, which the Y does have, like, Christian values. It's founded us so in our training. They would kind of talk about that, and they would talk about the I'm third principle of being a camp counselor. I also loved my experience of being a camp counselor. So that might be an episode on its own. I low key like was thinking about changing my career path. I was like, do I just be a camp counselor? This is so fulfilling to me. I love like developing young children. And you don't even realize like what a role you play in their lives. So, like being someone that could bring out an extra perspective, and extra care in children's lives outside of their nuclear families. Like it could be something a lot of them really need. But anyways, in our training, they would talk about the I'm third principle, which is like God first, I'm other second, I'm third. And I, it really stuck with me. I felt like it's crazy because it's not that revolutionary concept like being selfless. But I think I really do find like such true happiness if I'm living for like other people versus for me. Because I'm the only one who hears what goes on inside my own head. You know what I mean? Like everything I ever think or feel, no one else will ever feel that exact same thing to the extent I'm feeling it. So why ever focus on it? Like the only person that reacts that like benefits or gets hurt by those consequences is me. Like, other people, obviously, like, I can hurt other people with my decisions and things like that. But the only one who really fully hears, feels thinks everything I'm thinking is me. So, like, might as well live for others. And I find a whole other level of satisfaction myself that's even better. So, it's kind of just, like, a win-win. So, how is this related? Oh, to the Shakespeare thing. I was like, what? We're in the start. This will happen a lot on this podcast. That's why it's going to be, like, hard to give this a narrative topic. If you don't like me not staying on task, this is probably not the podcast for you. Actually, the whole base of this podcast is about how my brain can't stay on task on anything. Okay? Okay. So moving on. I've always, like, ever since I was in, like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade, I got that training. I've really, like, always stood out for ways I can incorporate selflessness into my life. Like, when I joined a sorority, I ended up joining 80 Pie. At Miami University and I was between that and tried out so I originally really did think I was going to go try it out because so the main reason I joined a sorority is at Miami you can't rush them until your second semester freshman year and so I already kind of had to find a friend group my first semester so I joined a business fraternity I'm still so close with so many people in it so I met my boyfriend like I loved my business fraternity experience I really thought I was going to go to college and become a completely new person that I was in high school I did all the same things. I joined the skating team, and my business frat. I was in Pi Sigma Epsilon. It's literally like adult DECA, and I was the DECA promotions officer in high school. And then I was the director of graphic design for my business frat. It's like basically the same thing. Like both of them, you just design stuff and convince people why they should like join your chapter through like promotional like flyers and posts and things like that. And then when you go up and compete at nationals, you like design, like in high school I designed the yearbook to show off why we're the best DECA chapter in the state, I think we did win the state that year, and then in um, college I did that for my business plan. I literally just like designed our presentations for why we should win at nationals, so I really thought I was going to become a whole new person at college, I didn't change a thing about my hobbies, but whatever, so I really am kind of developing friend groups, because I kind of have my girls group from the figure skating team, and then I have, like, this great group of intellectually motivated, super passionate, but also really fun-loving, kind, humble, awesome people for my business frat. So I was kind of full and satisfied. I at that point, I don't even think I really need a sorority. I think if I had gone to almost any other school, I don't really think I would have rushed. Like, I really liked a lot of my friends I had who weren't in sororities. Like, all the girl and guy friends I had who weren't in Greek life. Like, besides the business frat, like, I really thought they were all super cool people. But at the time, a lot of my friends from, like, my dorms and, like, my close friends at the time, pretty much every girl I knew as a freshman was rushing. So I was like, okay, I'll do it for the experience. And, like, I love dressing up and wearing cute outfits. So that part of, like, sprite dates and rushing really excited me. And I'm a pretty girly girl. Like, all through high school, my core friend group was, like, 12 girls. I was on the figure skating team of 20 pretty much my whole life. I had a younger sister. I was always really close to my mom. Like, I was like, yeah, I love girls. Let's rush the sorority. I hated Rush. This will have to be its own podcast, but honestly, if you want to hear about my sorority experience, it's really similar to what Alex Earl went through. If you listen to her like second episode of Hot Mess, I felt really similar where there was nothing wrong with a single girl I met in my sorority. Every time I had a one-on-one conversation with them, I loved them. I thought they were such smart, passionate, kind people. But, like, just the overall dynamic of having 200 girls in a group together where girls your age are kind of, like, ruling over you on exec, and it's very strict, like, your freedom is definitely inhibited. I think that's going to be an episode coming up for you guys is, like, I want to talk about, like, freedom and how they think it affects the way you act when you're restricted freedom and kind of where i think i think it's almost another tier on on maslov's hierarchy of needs no it wasn't maslov why am i blanking on his name whatever the hierarchy of needs i talked about in my first episode i think there's a whole nother tier about freedom where like if you don't have your freedom needs satisfied you cannot live a full satisfied life like how Belle and beauty and the beast talks about like when the beast is like do you think you could be happy here and she's like can anyone be happy if they're not free I also, like, really resonate with that. I resonate with many parts of Blake Lively's character in Gossip Girl. I don't even Blake Lively doesn't like Serena's character. But I do resonate with Serena, like, needs to be free. Like, she really, I think that's a really big value for me in my life, too, is I don't like to be controlled. And it's not like I'm going to go wild and crazy. I just love the freedom. So did like that about being in a sorority. And it's just, like, something that really turned me off about my sorority is really something what Alex Earl said. It's, like, just, I think when you have 200 girls together in one group like I remember driving a chapter once with my big and all her friends and like this huge minivan is like some of us in the car and so my big and all her friends are a year older than me so I didn't really know any of the girls they were talking about but like these were girls I thought were like in their friend group really good friends with them and they were saying like, such weird heinous stuff about them I was like these girls in this already barely even know me because I wasn't that involved and like so they didn't even know me so what are they even saying about me if this is what they're saying about like their best friends so that's just like I loved literally every single girl I met my sorority. Like, there is not one who I dislike. It's just, I don't know, the whole concept, like, it just felt itchy. I felt like I was in, like, um, Big Brother, you know, like 1948, George Orwell, like, just everything you're doing, you're being watched. You can't pour post alcohol on your Instagram, which in a costume of itself is a good thing, like in terms of getting hired for a job. No, you shouldn't be posting alcohol before you're 21. But like, it's just the way it was people your age ruling over you. Like it was just a weird dynamic. So I feel very similar to how Alex Arnold felt today, especially when it came to the rush process. When I was on the other side of it, I had to like rank girls on like how much I enjoyed their conversation. I honestly gave them all the highest mark. I was probably absolutely useless as an interviewer for the girls doing the stats on my sorority because I just felt bad giving anyone something below what the maximum was because I I don't know I just couldn't do it I felt so itchy crawly and I remember going through rush and like so anyways back to the two sororities I mostly joined a sorority because I wanted the philanthropy aspect because even though my business friend did some philanthropy stuff it wasn't like there was a chance to do it every week and this was pre-COVID when I rushed so I really thought I was gonna go try it out because they work with St. Jews I've had a family member have cancer so like I thought that'd be such an amazing sorority to like be a part of the cause for. I liked everyone I met and tried out during rush. And like, there was a sophomore I talked to who, if you're ever out there listening to this, I really liked you. I like really thought you were gonna be my big. I really liked you. This was not personal, but I met my big during rush. And me and her just instantly clicked. We have like the exact same personality. Like, all of Rush, I was so uncomfortable. I was, like, I don't know how to, like, talk myself up to these girls. They were asking me we questions, like, where do you summer? They were all wearing, like, and Hermes bangles. And I was just, like, you're all, like, human mermaids. I'm so intimidated talking to all of you. And I only get, like, 15 minutes to tell you, like, who I am and why I value sisterhood. Like, obviously, I do value female friendships. But I didn't know how to, like, pull that out and, like, someone I just met. I don't know. Like, and it's so funny because I'm so talkative. Like, I think if anyone would be a good conversationalist during Rush, it, like, would be me. But... I could not, I don't know. I could not do it. I did not like the experience. So I'm being on the other side of rush. I was like, nope, I just, I don't like any of this. But one of the really big things that we go 80 pies, one, every time I walked to 80 pie in that room, I was not nervous. Every time I sat in front of my big, I was just myself. I didn't feel like I was, it's almost like when you go on a date and like all your nerves go away, like you just feel like you've known that person forever. That's kind of how it felt in that room. And then also their slogan, like their Greek slogan is we live for each other. And I was like, that's really cute. That kind of goes to that theme of selflessness I want to live my life with. So if I join a sorority, I would love it to be one that represents, like, selflessness and living for other people and being reminded of that every day with the pin I wear and the sorority dorm I live in and the girls I'm friends with. So that's, like, all do like, well, the one, her and my bag. Like, that slogan, my bag, are one of the main, main things that made me go. But... So, yes, that's an example of, like, I've just loved living my life out of kindness and selflessness. Like, I think it's one of, when I'm kind of stuck between making a decision, that's kind of the fallback I go to. Like, what's the decision that, like, will make me feel, like, whole and I'm putting my best foot forward and what I'm doing? It's like I'm thinking of the other people in my life. And so, when I read that quote, that was a really interesting juxtaposition to me. That's, like, sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. And the more I think about it, I think sometimes it's also kind to be cruel. And what I mean by that is that seems so opposite, but, like, something I really relate to is, like, when a guy comes up to me or my friends at the bars, sometimes it is cruel to be kind. Like, why are you going to be nice to someone you're leading on? It goes, like, now I mean a lot of my friends have, like, boyfriends during COVID. I feel like a lot of us got them. Which I think is a the whole theory that my generation. I think so many guys had to get sucked out of like their player phase because during COVID there was literally no way to meet people. So like, if you wanted like a consistent relationship, you had to get into a real one. I don't know. It's funny, for another time. But, um, it's like especially because we have boyfriends. It's like, if I'm nice to this guy, I'm gonna just lean him on. He might as well go find a girl at this bar that actually does want to talk to him and go on a date with him or whatever. So, like, that's one instance. Or, like, say someone creepy is kind of, like, following you around the target. This is where I'm tying it in with my true crime, let's not meet, stalker stories background. Like, I don't want to, like, be nice to a stranger when I'm, like, a young girl out alone. Like, at that point, I'm giving them the wrong idea. Like, I'm opening myself to be stalked in a dangerous situation. Or it's better to just, like, be cruel and short. But, like, I would never be short with, like, a customer service worker. Like, someone checking me out at a grocery store. Like, checking out my products. Or, like when I'm paying the bill and like having a server at a restaurant I will always be so kind to like I think everyone I think I will always make my kids work at least for a few months in retail and in food service I think everyone needs to know like how hard those jobs are like I think they're harder than my nine to five putting up with so many people's orders is a different exhausting dynamic every single day and like the people doing that that's usually not their dream job they're either somehow connected to the owner of the restaurant or they're just doing it like to save for something bigger like most people that's if that is your ambition you're an amazing hostess or server or bartender that's awesome like it is such a hard job that's incredibly incredibly impressive but like Also, I don't think it's most people's careers, so I will always, like, be kind in that setting. But otherwise, if it's a stranger that I don't have any reason to have a transaction with, I'm not, like, rude. I just, like, won't speak. Like, I have this theory of how I know people. I'm kind of like creme brulee, where at the top, until I have, like, a reason to talk to you, I, like, won't. Like, I'm hard as rock. But it's just because I'm, like, scared. It's, like, genuinely, genuinely out of safety for, like, myself and my energy. Like, I just don't want to open myself to let people in to people who, like, abuse who I am and, like, try and use me for a, a malicious purpose for whatever reason. So that's an instance where it can be cruel to be kind Or, like, sometimes, like, say your friend's asking Like, oh, do you like my outfit? Like, sometimes it is cruel to be kind Sometimes it's mean to, like, you're I feel like it's, like, a, an acquaintance or a fake friend You don't know that one would be like, yeah, yeah, it looks good Where a real friend You'd be like, mm, girl, you should tuck that in Or, wait, no, take a top of mine, that's not a cute girl Like, let's fix this Like, there, I definitely think there is instances Or, like, a real friend, they'll tell you when you have broccoli in your teeth It's a little cruel, sucks a little bit, it's a little embarrassing But, like, it's worse than being kind And letting you stick around with it in your teeth Like you guys, if you obviously it's a podcast, you never see it, but if you ever see broccoli in my teeth, let me the frick know. Let me get it out of there. But um, not that you even eat broccoli that much, which just what came to mind. Whatever. So I really feel like I use that juxtaposition a lot throughout like my day-to-day. It's just yeah, sometimes I agree. It can be cruel to be kind and kind it's sometimes it is the kinder thing to be cruel. If I think of other instances in my life where like that's worked out really well for me as I keep talking, I'll bring them up. But yeah, I think, I think you just shouldn't discount people as they're being mean. Like, you never know what someone else is going through. Where, like, I never, say, like, in high school or something, I never understood those girls who, like, would be such a different person if you met them one-on-one versus with, like, a clique of friends. But now I kind of get it. It's like, you just protect your energy. You don't want to give your 100% personality all the time, because, like, sometimes it gets abused. Sometimes you give that personality to the wrong person, and then you're hurt, so... But like my creme brulee theory, like at first I'll be so prickly, but as soon as you crack the creme brulee, like if you're a friend of one of my friends, if you're a customer service worker, if you're someone I'm gonna work with in the office, I will be so bubbly. I could small talk with you all day and day out. Like, I genuinely will. If you tell me, like, something about your family, I'll actually care about it. I'll try to remember and ask about it next time. Like, generally, if I if you get past, like, a little crisp sugar on top of the creme brulee, I'm just this warm, goopy. I'm so excited to be there. I want to talk your ear off all day. I just, like, need a reason to get there because it's generally, like, a fear factor. Like, I'm scared. But, yeah, that's the first juxtaposition. The next one of these are from, like, a lot of different songs and favorite artists of mine. So I hope these will be. Interesting for you guys to listen to. The next one is in Renee's rap song. I think it's Colorado. It's my favorite song of hers. The lyric is, um, "Hold on, what was the lyric. I pick the devil I know over the heaven I don't." Which is so interesting of a concept, like, why would you ever not pick Heaven? But like, the whole song is her talking about how like, she wants to move to Colorado because she have a slower paced life. Like, one of the lyrics is like, I'd work on myself and my mental health. But she's like, but that dream's not meant for me. Like, I'm meant for this life of chaos in LA and being famous. Renee Rapp, she's the girl who's Regina George in the new Mean Girls. And she played Regina George in um, the Broadway version of Mean Girls. She's also in the show The Sex Lies of College Girls. If you like Gossip Girl, it's kind of a good dupe for, like, a Blair Waldorf personality. She plays this, like, really funny lesbian sorority girl, and it's so funny. Um, And she's, like, an amazing, amazing actress, and I can't wait to see her. At the time I'm recording this, being Girls Hasn't Come Out Yet, the new one. But I'm so excited. So, she's, yeah, talking about how she's meant for this big L.A. life and not Colorado. So it's so interesting to, like, think you'd rather stay somewhere you're miserable than possibly find paradise and, like... Even away with this podcast, like, I could just only focus on my 9 to 5, doing my dishes at night, like, living by the straight and arrow. But I just feel this pull to, like, potentially find this heaven, like, the heaven I don't know. Like, I know the devil here. I know what it is. I like it. I like the comfort. But I'm also someone that likes to go outside my comfort zone. Like, I love roller coasters, concerts. Like, I kind of in a little bit of an adrenaline junkie, like, a little bit. Like, I love oceans and surfing. Like, I kind of love doing things that make you feel on the edge like at your, your most raw like, human nature, like, I'm a pretty clumsy person. Like, all of my friends who have carpeted stairs, like, made fun of me going up because I'd fall down them all the time. And they would be like, you know, how are you a figure skater? You could not stand on two feet. Like, even when I started walking as a toddler, I fell every time I crossed a room. Like, I would just get so excited. My feet would want to go so much faster than they could. But if I'm going for a run, like, in the forest with, like, fallen logs or there's a poor to cross a river and jump over rocks, if I'm, like, sprinting, like, going my fastest, like, seeing red, I will be so much more coordinated because I'm not overthinking it. Like, my almost, like, innate survival instinct kicks in. I'm not even thinking about it. Like, I just boom, 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 boom. And I'm so coordinated. Where if I'm, like, actually thinking and, like, not going as fast, like, if I was just normal hiking, I'd probably trip more, which is so bizarre. I also have to tell you guys all the time I tripped down the mountain in Colorado. That was really funny. I might have to bring on one of my friends who was there with me for that experience to tell that story. It was hilarious. Probably have a scar from it now. My knees are so scarred up, you guys. One day we'll have to do it. maybe that could be the end of this episode if I need more time. Although I'm kind of babbling about sororities and stuff, so probably won't need more time. But all the scars I have are so ridiculous and funny. But you know what, let's just go through them. Let's just go through them. So I have one on my pointer finger from when I was cutting an avocado. And the knife slipped. I have, so that's on my left hand, it's on my left hand, and that kind of skin, I don't want to say flap, that's a gross word, makes me sound like a turkey, but like, if you know my like, finger guns, between my pointer finger and my thumb, literally exactly halfway through on that, like, stretch of skin, I have also, like, a couple centimeter cut, because in my art class, we were cutting with exacto knives, we were cutting cardboard, I don't know if anyone remembers the Friends headphones, that was big in, like, 2012, maybe. I was in, like, seventh grade at the time. They were, like, all the YouTubers had them. They had, like, a spike on the end. They were just, like, rose gold or holographic metallic or gold with, like, a white headband piece. So I was, you had to recreate a common object out of cardboard. So I was recreating those friends' headphones, sliced my hand with these exacto knife, and it cut so deep, it cut below the nerve endings. Like, it was gushing blood. I didn't feel a thing. It was such a clean, smooth cut. And, like, I had to go to the hospital and get stitches. Anyway, so that's one stupid scar. Then, on my right knee, I have scarred it three times over the same scar. It's so stupid. So, the first time I ever got a scar I was also in, like, seventh grade. I was at a friend's pool party. I slipped on the tile. I told you guys I'm really clumsy. Like, I was running on the tile. you shouldn't do? Don't run in the pool, you guys. Slipped, and I had this big scar across my knee. Like, just straight, horizontal, across my knee. Like, when we're ripped jeans, it's freaking parallel with the rips. Um, and then... Once me and my friend, we were like teaching figure skate cla- figure skating classes, we were like the instructors and at the end there was like no one left on the ice, we were just bored like prancing around and we decided to do a race with our eyes closed and there's something called like a shoot the duck where you like kind of duck down You kind of do like a really deep squat and you glide forward and what did I do it with our eyes closed? I don't, I don't know. So obviously I run into a wall like what what did I think was gonna happen? I'm also in like eighth grade at the time so, like, full speed, duck down, run into a wall. So, that scar in my right knee, like, first open. So, now it kind of looks like a panhandle. Like, it's a line, and the ending's just, like, a little explosion circle. So, that happened. And then, how did I re-scar over? Oh, those are the later two scars. The very first scar, I was, like, little. I was, like, eight, maybe. And we were on a family vacation canoeing. We're a big, like, outdoorsy family. I had to get them to stop camping. I was like, you guys, I need a cabin and a hot shower. It's not happening. But I'm a very outdoorsy family. And we were, like, canoeing, kayaking. And there was a stretch between the river where you had to, like, walk the kayak from, like, the start to the next part. It wasn't that far. So, like, me and my parents, are, or my parents are doing all the grunt work carrying the kayak. We have, like, some of our family friends and cousins with us. They're all carrying their stuff. And so us and the young kids were just, like, running around, trip over a tree root. And we were, like, four hours away from civilization. We're, like, these were, like, day-long kayaking. Like, you brought your lunch in, like, a little bag with you and ate on the river. Like, this kind of... Like living alone in the woods, like God with the wind kind of thing. And so I run across a rope and trip. But since we're so far from like any kind of first aid, we took there's like an herb, I think an herb or like a plant called an elephant ear, it kind of looks like a spade, it's just like really big and leafy it's probably like the size of the palm of your hand and so if you, apparently if you rip it and pour water over it, it activates a juice inside that like heals cuts, I don't know once I went biking with my mom, I was also pretty little and there's like a big curve to get on the trail, I go right past the curve but I do not turn the bike and I fall right into a ditch and she like put that herb leaf on me, so we've tied that around my knee that I've just broken on on the kayaking trip with a target bag like that is my bandage, it is like this random wet herb and a target. me and my family joke that we think my mom was like a witch in another life she has like black curly hair she has kind of that mediterranean like olive skin like complexion and she just knows random things like what leaf will heal your knee so that scar actually wasn't the worst one i kept making worse and now my left knee has a scar from falling down the mountain in colorado and we i think we need to get to know each other a little better before i tell you guys that story it's i'm just, I'm just a little unhinged it was it was a silly goofy day but anyways, so back to this song that the devil I know, I pick the devil I know over the heaven, I don't. It's just interesting. I don't know if I agree with that one, but like, it's an interesting, just a to think of. So that's a cool one. The next one's from another similar music artist, Renee Rapp. This one's Olivia Rodrigo. If, if you haven't figured out from the first episode, I'm a big fan. There was one year where she was like, all of my top five Spotify songs. But so I think it's because me and my family took a trip to Wyoming. I told you outdoorsy, hiking all day. And it was the only thing I had downloaded it was her new album, Sour, right when it launched. And it was like, that was like my first year ever having a boyfriend. It was like two months into my first ever, like, long-term boyfriend. we have been talking a while and it was really healthy. Like, my first ever, like, stable, real, not like, high school joke relationship. Um, and, But it was so funny that Olivia Rodrigo was my top artist because hers is like, heartbreak, sad girl, teenage, confessions of a teenage drama queen vibe music. But... She's one of my top five artists. And so, like, at the time when, like, this album came out, I think it was, like, the summer before or something. But, like, I was listening to a lot of this time in Wyoming. And so the first time the album ever came out, I, like, I don't remember if I was talking to my current boyfriend yet at the time. I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it was in the summer before I met. So I met my boyfriend in November. I ended, like, the serious thing with the guy before him in, like, May that same year. So I think it was between May and November when this album came out. So the first time I ever listened to it was in the summer. A year later, the next maze when I'm in Wyoming, and it became my top five album songs. But it's somewhere in, like, June, July, that summer, when I just ending things. With like It was kind of like a puppy love. I would not even want to say it was toxic. It wasn't even, like, extreme enough to be toxic. It was just, like, I like the idea of this dude, not, like, who he really was. We all have an episode coming in about, like, my theories on relationships. Um, I definitely see relationships as, like, job interviews. It's a whole theory I've got. We'll get into that in the next episode, but, um, so I'm just, ended this thing with this one guy, I haven't met my current boyfriend in the time, so I'm kind of just, like, in limbo, and I'm not really, like, that butthurt, I'm kind of just reflecting on, like, what decisions did I make that got me here, like, why can't I find a normal good guy, like, I think I have such a big personality, and I'm dating these, like, absolute duds, like, what am I doing with my life, and it was, like, during COVID, so it was just, like, a lot of time alone in my brain, so my dad was making me do yard work. Um, hot take, I would rather do yard work than clean the house. I like being outside. I like, like, having, like, music in my ears, enjoying the sun. You get a mad tan from doing yard work in a sports bra. You hear the birds chirping. It's low-key, like, therapeutic for me. But not really, like, pulling weeds. More, like, collecting sticks or something. Or, like, removing mulch or something like that. I don't know. Not like a lawnmower. Nothing, like, loud and dirty. Just, like, cute. Or, like, gardening where you're, like, arranging little flowers. Things like that. Like, I totally want to garden in my future house. I love gardens. It's like beautiful rose gardens. We used to have like a rose bush and a bleeding heart bush. So I don't know if you ever seen a bleeding heart. They look like little pink hearts on a like fern branch. Like it looks like something out of like a fairy movie. It's so cute. But I love, love, love flowers, obviously. So I'm a female. Like, yeah, of course I like flowers. Whatever. Moving on. But I was gardening and the song by Olivia Rodrigo comes on. It's Brutal by Olivia Rodrigo. It's one of my favorite songs on that album. And there's a lyric that's like, I love people I don't like. And I swear, the second I really heard those words and listened to the lyric the first time, I was like, boom, I'm over. We'll call Hockey Boy was that guy for me. Boom, I'm over Hockey Boy. Like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I am like obsessed with having these intense feelings for a guy I don't even like. Like, I love people I don't like. Like I literally was so infatuated with this guy, I didn't even like his personality we couldn't even have dark, deep conversations, he was so boring, and so that fall, we, like, hung out a little bit, like, as friends, and, like, I just, I was was, like, I really can't stand, like, I do not like when this man opens his mouth, he was so much prettier before he started talking, he was so much when he just, like, took me on, like, midnight jeep rides and, like, vibed with me, oh my gosh, I can't stand him talking, wow, and, like, that lyric literally healed me, like, I think so many people have, like, even deeper versions of that, like, family members, like, there's people you love and like you have, or like even high school best friends, elementary school best friends, were like people you have a deep love for, but you might not even like their morals or who they've become or something. And I just thought that was a. It was really cool hearing someone else say those words, and it kind of just freed me from this. I don't think I was in love with the guy, but like let's just say like this love infatuation. I was just like, you know, it's okay. Like normal people feel this. Like we can have intense feelings for a person we don't even trust or respect. Like this happens, and you just. Now I'm aware of it. I'm aware that's the thing I can do. and Now I know how to not do that anymore. And it was just fabulous. That was like one of the most freeing juxtapositions of my whole life. And I don't know. It was just kind of random and crazy. I hope that was entertaining for you guys to hear about. I'm pulling up the notes app with all the rest of my um, juxtapositions. Let's see some of the other ones. Okay. Also, when I was on birthday, you have like instructors, like older people who went to the school that kind of lead you through the activities and One of them, his name's Jesse, I don't know if you're listening to this, probably not, you probably have a lot of other smarter, better things to do with your time, but if you hear this, you really impacted me when you talked about history is not memory, or I think it was, um, memory is not history, which I think is a very interesting juxtaposition, because, like, you know, there's always, like, two, I think there's three sides to the truth, there's, like, his, hers, kind of what really happened, but also what really happened is relative. It's, like, there is a true hard fact, but I've been learning a lot about law. I took a business law class in college, and one of my best friends now is becoming a lawyer. And I think I always thought law law was, like, black and white, kind of like Candor from Divergent. It was all about just, like, finding the real truth of what happened. But as I've grown up, I've been watching law shows. It's really – law is all about the gray area. It's all about, like, arguing what's in the middle and what someone's memory, like, the intention, what – it's not really what really happened. It's more like the outcome and the perspectives and the impacts and the precedent cases of what happened versus just, like, the cold-cut truth, yes, no. And that's just something so interesting to me, that, like, memory is not history. Like, and it's so interesting if you think of history books. Like, when you read U.S. history, it was obviously written by white males. There's even been psychology tests that show that ACT is biased towards, like, a white suburban middle-class, like, background knowledge just because even some things that you think would be so factual, they can't be fact, there's no possible way to bring in every single truth, there's a million versions of the truth, and the crazy thing is they're all true, like, something I've always noticed when guys are like, oh yeah, my ex, she's crazy, I always think like, well, what'd you do to make her that way, like, you're right, like, I'm sure something she did, I'm sure there's things I've done in my past that, like, someone else would perceive as crazy, but to me in that moment, like, it was real, it wasn't crazy, like, that was really what i was feeling and the real urges and emotion i had to do what i did or like i've never liked the like this about like calling people fake like oh that girl or that guy is so fake or that celebrity is so fake how can any of us be fake like what you know like that's so like because even when i'm being fake, i'm consciously thinking through what I'm doing. Like, yes, I might be holding back information or how I feel about something I'm saying, but usually it's like to protect the other person's feelings or because like, I don't want to care enough because I don't want to start a fight. Like maybe it's a controversial topic. So I'm gonna kind of be desensitized in the way I approach it. Like, how can any of us be fake? We're all living this experience and we're just acting on survival in the best way we think we can act given our stimuli and our background experience. So I just think that's so funny about like memory and history. like. Say you read a U.S. history textbook, it's not going to take account the perspective of what it was like to be a slave or things. Like, there's so many things we'll never know. Like, just because you hear someone's memory, it is true. It's not not the truth, but it doesn't mean it's history. Like, I don't know what I think. I think the true definition of history is, like, I think if I was really to define history, it'd be like a hamster wheel. Like, a round and round cycle of how patterns in the past can predict the future. So it's not really so much to do with truth because, like I said, memory is not history. There is not any one retelling of what happened in the past that we can say is 100% accurate. We can get close. We can't get fully there. Like When I was in AP Euro, actually, European history, I think the most valuable thing I learned was I, I really want this guy to be on the podcast. We'll see if he agrees to it. My old teacher, Mr. Prospero, he taught us the most fascinating process called HIPPO. I'd have to find my own note to, like, an AP Euro Quizlet to figure out what Hippo all stood for. But it was all about how analyzing, like, the date, time, author, and what was going on at the time that... A, so a historical document with source can tell you so much more about the document than what the document physically says. Like if you say the Magna Carta, like the document that changed like the English structure of like Parliament and religion, it has so much more to do with like the suppression the English rule was on at the time and who the king was and the rights that the king had and he wanted to be like Protestants we had like multiple wives like that is just such an interesting concept to me of like, finding <laughs> so i was like a cop driving next because we're going quiet so i can make sure we know the speed limit i definitely have like cop trauma that's another episode because i've never done something intentionally wrong i would never ever put myself in a position to hurt someone but every time i've been except two times i've been pulled over seven, like five or seven times i'm a very fast left foot driver but anytime i've been pulled over besides two times it's been, like, really rude. I felt, like, very vulnerable and out of control. And, like, I wasn't intending to do anything wrong. I was driving safe. Like, I might have been going a little over the speed limit. I don't know. It's all relative, really. Like, it's... No, speed's just a number. Whatever. I'm kidding. That's not really our speed. Moving on. But, like, I only have, like, cop trauma, And Maybe that would be a good episode. I need to go to a therapist's office. There's two things if I ever got into therapy I'd want to learn. One, I would want to, like, dig into my subconscious, like, dream psychology, like, what is my trauma? like what are the things i don't know i process every day on a subconscious level and then two why i'm so like definitely afraid of cops i'm not doing anything wrong i don't do anything that should put me in jail like i know cops are supposed to keep us safe they're supposed to be good but i don't know every time i see them, like freak out and like my sister even once was in a car accident and her car was totaled it wasn't even, like, really her fault, it was, like, a total accident, but now she does, every time she sees blue and red lights from a cop, it, like, triggers her, and I've even been in a car accident where, like, my life was in danger, but, like, even when I see blue and red lights, I think it's really distracting on the road, like, you might as well put, like, the New Year's Eve time disco ball, like, in the middle of the highway, like, anyways, off topic, what even, what is the topic, what are we discussing, memories, not history, oh, April, so Hippo, it's all about, like, analyzing documents and how the context of the document really goes into what is going on and can tell you so much more about it itself. So I just think history is so interesting. So I really like that juxtaposition. I don't even know if it's truly a juxtaposition. Like, I don't know if I'm really using the word right in that context, but I like that little quote, like, memories, not history. Back to song lyrics. There is one from Gracie Abrams. She opened for Olivia Rodrigo. I think she actually opened on the Eras tour, too, by, like, her older albums better. Like... <laughs> I love, I love her music. I think she's a stunning voice, and she seems so sweet. But she has the lyrics that's like, I'm happier when I'm sad. And I touched on this a bit in the first episode, but, like, me and my friend who I've been sitting in Minnesota, we love crying. Genuinely, there is something so free about just sitting there and letting it all out, especially, like, a pretty cry, where it's just slow, tears rolling and rolling. One that makes your eyelashes longer, so welcome to tears. Please, please make my eyelash grow. Like, you just look in the mirror, and your eyes are all glossy, like, There's something so beautiful about being sad. It's like, I'm happier when I'm sad. Like, I kind of love that. Like, there is kind of a happiness and just, like, letting your feelings out and being, like, organic and intentional. I love that quote. And, like, the way Gracie sings it is absolutely beautiful. So that makes it so much better. It's in the song The Bottom by Gracie Abrams. Um, And then, okay, another one from Israel. We went to the Holocaust Museum. And I'll say, if you're ever interested in going to a Holocaust Museum – I would go to the one in Israel over the one in the U.S., but I was, pretty young when I went to the U.S. one, so I'm in D.C., so mine had just been, like, too deep and dark for me when I was that young, but I felt like in the U.S. it was very statistical. It's, like, this many people died at this time in this location where the one in Israel is really focused on their stories. Like, they really want to tell individual stories of the lives of people and what happened there and, like... There's one part where there's, like, a pile of shoes under plexiglass. And it's, like, these are all real shoes, like, recovered from people who were burned. Like, that's just, it's so powerful seeing the objects and, and like, what quantity they were there. And it's, like, real things, like shoes, like, things you take for granted in your day-to-day. So there was, they had a lot of installation artwork. Which was really, really cool to see. Like, they had one thing of like these stone pillars of different heights. And so the height of the stones represented how many thousands of children died at every age at like five, six, seven, eight, all the way to like 13, I think like and then there was a really cool room where it was like there was a candle in the middle of the room and then mirrors all around it so it looked like there was millions of countless candles and it's a dark room and you kind of walk in circles and it almost feels like a maze like it's kind of like a mirror clown house you would do in a carnival but like with a candle in a dark room and it looks like you're in like the milky way like it looks like you're in a galaxy worth of candles And so when you walk in, they ask you to try and count how many candles there are. And it's impossible. It's almost like an optical illusion. And so when you leave, they tell you it's because, like, that's to represent all the lives that could have been. And all the people that, like, died during the Holocaust that, like, couldn't reproduce and keep their family legacies going. These are all the potential bright futures and souls that, like, will never see the light of day now. And there was, like, a quote on the wall that said, "Hear all things scream silently. And it also reminds me of, like, that one song, The Sound of Silence, how, like, silence really can be so loud and especially like the so I think the scream and silence quote the part of the museum this is at it's kind of towards the end there's a video of like a rolling like meadow of grass and I think it used to be where a concentration camp wo- can a concentration camp once was and it's called it said like here all things scream silently because it is screaming you are haunted by the horror of what you know went down but like it's just a field like it's silent it's just wind and grass. There's truly genuinely nothing there but it is like you feel like the scream of terror when you like even just watch a video you're not even really there and I saw that was an interesting juxtaposition there of like the sound of screaming and silence and how silence really can be like deafening and I love things like that. So that was interesting. So another one a little change of pace here. I'm currently doing an MBA about luxury management. So I really, I always know I wanted to do an MBA since I went to a summer camp at the Carlson School of Management through Minnesota Twin Cities. I think it was in like seventh or eighth grade. I actually thought I was going to go to business MBA school in Carlson. It was a beautiful management school. But as I was researching, so I want MBA because my mom, has her PhD and my dad has an MBA and I think that's so cool. My mom's like a doctor and like my dad's not like, it's just something that my family really values. I'm like, yeah, I, and I love learning. I really do love like studying and playing presentations together and doing research. So I'm excited to get back into it. It was nice to have like a couple month break after undergrad and really get into working. But now I'm loving doing research again. But I wanted to find a program that was like really focused on luxury and retail. That's what I want to go into. Like fashion, brand management and marketing, being a creative director, like a high-level marketing executive, really taking brand strategy and planning campaigns month, years at a time, more like kind of big picture branding and what message you want to tell customers and people who like interact with your brand over just developing like a social media hashtag or like a post for any one Instagram picture. I'd rather someone else do the more like school part but like I'm good doing it for now like I understand I need to grow the experience to get up to the level I want to go and I think I'm good at it I'm very perfectionist detail oriented I'm good at it but I eventually want to be kind of like the devil wears Prada Anna Wintour like analyzing how other people do and say yes I like this that fits my branding and messaging no this doesn't can you tweak it in this and that way like make it cerulean blue not indigo like things like that so, um, I found I'm currently doing it through soup deluxe, really, really cool online program. It's meant for people who are currently working professionals. It's owned by cartier. It's like meant for students all around the world. And so far I love it. And we were having like a a lesson, their online lessons with Aaron. All of our instructors are real people in like the luxury business industry, usually pretty high up executives, which is also why I wanted to do this MBA. It's really focused on like real world experience because I personally think business and marketing isn't something you can learn. Like you kind of learn the hard skills once you take the job in business because every company has such different systems and values, what they prioritize, like different ways they're going to analyze data. Where the parts like that you kind of should be learning, I think are inherent. I think business is really just people, people. It's people who understand how people work and what they love and building something powerful. I don't think that's genuinely something you can teach. You can inspire people. I think you can read textbooks listen to podcasts and TED Talks and analyze case studies of businesses who've done it. But to truly do it, I think that's something you're born with. I don't think any amount of time in school can teach you. So I love that. It's real-world immersive. But anyways, one of my professors was talking about something really and I love all our professors I love this one stereotype of guy where it's kind of like Pierre Cadeau and Emily in Paris where it's this outlandish crazy outspoken like or girls too just like this fashion designer that's so in touch with their creativity but it's professional like they it sounds like they're crazy but I get it I get their crazy genius they could talk for hours I would follow every single word so I'm not, my, not saying my professor at all is crazy but like he definitely like gets these cool things I don't think most people think of like our first class we looked at how Dior uses the butterfly and their symbolism and what that means to their brand, how it adds to this delicacy, but adaptability to change and like emerging beauty that Dior like is analyzing the smallest thing or how a skincare brand uses a snail. Why would you use such a small animal to represent something super powerful like skincare? It's like, and I've always loved metaphors when I was in, like, my literature classes. Like, I love metaphors. I could talk about metaphors all day, like how I'm talking about juxtapositions right now. So that could be a future podcast episode. Like, when I was little, I used to think of, like, how when you're driving on the road and it's sunny and how the shadows from telephone poles kind of represent life, like, things will always, like, jump in your way in different patterns and different shapes. It's all about just, like, embracing the shadows. Anyways, we go about metaphors forever. But my MBA professor was talking. He sees luxury the same way I do. So I know the fashion industry does have a lot of waste. I don't want to work in like fast fashion or stores that really chase the brands. I actually interviewed at one place that you guys would know of. It's in most malls. And I remember them saying we had like group interviews. They talked about how like our professor or our not professor, our customer is more of an aspirational customer. Like they are kind of following the trends I want to be in a brand that sets the trends. I want luxury because they're using the most high crafted, most sustainable like resources. Most of them have big budgets to donate to like philanthropy campaigns. And I truly see luxury as art, it's kind of communication between us and the masses. And like, something you see that a fashion show trickles down to mainstream fashion. Like, think of Sia's big, huge bow. Like a big bow on the runway will work its way down into little bows. Or like, you know when you see, like, on the runway those huge puffer jackets like eight times the size of the model? You're like, who would ever wear that? But now, puffer like, normal little puffer jackets are trending. Like, it trickles down in bite-sized pieces, and that's the part that I love. I love that crazy, intense, outlandish, like, Alexander Wang hot couture. Like, like oh, pieces of fashion are supposed to be a conversation, So he was talking about, like, how you develop a luxury brand, what makes luxury brand. And he said, it's not luxury because it's expensive. It's expensive because it's luxury. And it was not, like, a true juxtaposition, but it's such a true concept that, like, you're not putting a price tag on, like, a not good quality item to make it the luxury category. It is the luxury category, and the price tag meets that quality. And I think that's, like, something beautiful that I love to think about. So let me see if that's all my juxtapositions. I think that is all the ones I have on my list. Yay! Let's see um, how long this little voice memo has been going. What are we at? 51 minutes! Okay! I really did not know if this would fill an hour, so I'm really, really glad it did. The last thing I have, so this list didn't originally start out as my favorite juxtapositions, it started with just my favorite quotes from songs that make me think a little bit. So I'm going to end you guys on a fun one, it's not a juxtaposition. But this one is called, um, it's from Post Malone. is my favorite artist of all time. I love the way he sings. I love the things he sings about. I think he seems like the kindest person ever. There was a video going around on Twitter where he, he was, like, friends with Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber was like, Postie, would you be my flower boy if you asked? He was He's like, yeah. Like, no hesitation. He goes, yeah, Justin, of course I would be your flower boy. And it was so genuine, kind and warm, kindness and warmth. Me and my boyfriend have lists of people who are allowed to, like, get with and it doesn't count as cheating. Post Malone's all mine. I know he's not cute. I know the man looks like he doesn't shower and he has girls in his teeth. He's not my type at all. Like usually I tell people I am in love with Post Malone, they're like, oh, are you the kind of girl who likes Jack Harlow too? I'm like, no, can't say I am, but I just am in love with Post Malone. Like I'm in love with like his mind. But he has one of my favorite songs from him is Candy Paint. It's just a good upbeat vibe. I honestly don't even really know what it's about. Uh, Me and my boyfriend have talked about this once. I'm the kind of person who listens to the sound of music, not the lyrics. Like, I have to really be conscious to think through what the lyrics mean versus just, like, knowing the words and regurgitating them. So, um, he has a song called Candy Paint, and this isn't a juxtaposition, but I love it. I think it's so funny. He has a quote that says, I like paper, like a Michael Scott. I guess it's kind of a juxtaposition where it's so funny, because he's talking about, like, paper in terms of money and wealth, and he's kind of, like, I think he, like, posts Malone, because he can make fun of himself and joke about going out clubbing and being with all these girls, but then he thinks about, like, the downsides of it. Like, his song Rockstar, how depressing and isolating it is... And he's talking about, like, he's kind of making fun of how wealthy he is. Like, I like paper like a Michael Scott. And Michael Scott from The Office is, like, a paper company. And, like, obviously his whole character on The Office is this guy who's obsessed with his company and his job as a boss. So I just think that is such a clever, creative thing I never would have thought of. So I think that's hilarious. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Actually, in Post Malone's podcast on Caller Daddy, in his episode, he says his favorite um, quote that he's ever written is... I, Color striped because she got a donkey. That's funny, but I think this one's funnier. also end you guys on a really funny quote from Israel. I, don't, I haven't really thought about my trip to Israel in a while, so this is really cool to reminisce. But, so, like, one of the guys I was hanging out with, he's, like, a really goofy guy. He's from Miami, Florida. He play soccer down there. If you're out there, hi. Miss you. But, um... We were pretty close because like we just had a very upbeat energy. He reminds me of one of my best friends from my business training to buy. like very similar vibe of person. So we were talking a lot, and we went to this one part where we're really up in the mountain deserts of Israel, like really really high up there. It's like very isolated. Like you literally slept at night under the stars. What the experience was called, and you're on a camel farm, like. And I don't know why. Ever since I was little, I've always been obsessed with animals. Like I would throw myself under a bus for my dog. Like I don't cry when people die in movies. I cry when the dog dies. Like I'm. A, I've always loved animals from a really young age like genuinely I wasn't pursuing like marketing and fashion I would love to be like a marine biologist and like do marine rescue I'm just not good at science but like otherwise I would love to do that but when I was little my parents have so many pictures of me like I would go to petting zoos and I would brush every single goat in that zoo You know my mom joke I have groomed every single goat in northern Wisconsin I love those suckers and we would go to shows. I would hug the donkeys. Like, I have pictures of little me hugging donkeys. And once my parents took me on a tour of a dairy farm in, like, Michigan or something, I was hugging every single little cow. I go, oh, what's this cow's name? And then, like, the guy leaning the tour goes, oh, we're probably going to just call him, like, Hamburger because that's what he's going to be. Why would you ever tell that to a cute little five-year-old hugging the calf? I started bawling. I was like, mom, we can't drink the chocolate milk anymore. The cow's, cow's going to die. Like, I was bawling. I've always loved donkeys so we're on this like little retreat Israel under the stars and it's a camel farm is where we're staying you guys it smelled so bad I probably had like 10 melatonin that night and could not sleep a wink the camel fumes I swear I was like getting a second hand high off the poop fumes it, but the camels were so cute and cuddly and we we love the cute little camels and there was a donkey there I oh my gosh my heart melted because obviously everyone's like feeding and hugging and grooming the camels I go over I start hugging this donkey like I'm five years old again and so I turned to like one of the other guys that are starting to like become friends with further. I go, hey, I want a donkey. He goes, donkey. And he has a Russian accent. He goes, donkey, why do you want a donkey? You have Moshi. No and is no, the name of the guy we're friends with. And it was just so funny. So that reminded me of the post Malone quote. But yeah, that's a little tip into my life. Hope you guys liked this episode. Hope it was funny, entertaining. My voice wasn't too annoying. I will work on getting a sign off and an intro. Like I said, no, hold myself to it. I think I'm going to just hop on and make you guys hear me talk. But we'll see. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I forget whatever outro I said in the last episode, but wishing you, like, love, joy, purpose the rest of your day. I appreciate you being here, even if you hated every second of it. I think you're super cool, and you're going to have a fabulous day. I don't know if you've ever thought about having a favorite position. I think that's a super random thing to do. But if you have one, let me know. I want to hear it. Okay, bye, guys.